Listen for a word from God in Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. The Word of God. Hi, my name is Devo, and I am a productivity app enthusiast. More specifically, a project management app enthusiast. Things like Gantt charts, GDT hacks, IFTTT, if this then this, automations, to-do lists, due dates, and so much more about the productivity world brings me joy. There's something about having a project outlined with everything that has to be done, when it has to be done, who has to do it, and ways to visualize and track it all. It was our annual Four Days with Jesus experience over Easter weekend that first got me into the project management app world. If you're new to La Sierra community, for, for 10 years now during Easter, we have slowed down with the story of Jesus' last days on earth in the biblical narrative. We have four distinct worship experiences that parallel the final days of Jesus' journey to and through the cross. It is a beautiful experience and one of my favorite times for our church. I hope you can join us this year in a few weeks. While it is my favorite time for our church, it is also by far the busiest time of the year for me and for our pastoral team. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of busy work. It is rewarding work, but it is a stressful time. Lots of meetings, dreaming up new ways to tell the old, old story and to be creative and inspire our community. And then a gazillion details because it usually involves a large number of people to create and facilitate these experiences. The, the, the practicalities and the pressures of this enormous task and project is very real. So in order to manage all the things, we turn to Google Sheets. I know, not the glamorous option, but it was free. I had a kindred spirit in Pastor Von Nelson at the time who, like me, loved systems and organizing, and so this Google Sheet was our baby. It looked like this. There were uh, columns for all the different things we can do and rows for all the categories and tasks. It was a thing of beauty, <laughs> but, but there was a hiccup to our master plan. The Google Sheet is only as successful as the effort of the people who actually use it. I think that put most of our colleagues off was the large white font in red that had the countdown uh, for the number of days until Easter. It stressed everyone out, and eventually we ditched it. Pastors, by the way, two days, 26 days until Easter. It's safe to say that not, not everyone was a fan of the spreadsheet, but the biggest challenge was uh, how do you make people use it? Google Sheets didn't have any notification settings. So the search for the perfect software started, and that's how I got into project management and productivity apps. Vaughn and I would sign up for trials, and we tested software in all the leading products, Asana, Trello, Basecamp, Smartsheet, Teamwork, TeamGand, Rike, and, and so on. And oh, it was so much fun. The features were incredible, and I could see a vision of everyone on our team checking off task lists effortlessly and with joy. And that didn't quite happen. Everyone has their own way of doing and managing their own work. We did eventually settle on an app called Todoist as a solution for our team, uh, since it functions as a basic project management tool, but uh, without all the bells and whistles of these other programs. 
We've been on it for a few years now and I could not live without it. It has brought focus to my work and relief for feeling out of control. We use it between the Easter as well, by the way. Here is a screen capture of a current project shared between Paul Cardin and myself for video production, making online worship happen this week. Now, I'm not alone in this. The last five years have seen a boom uh, in the productivity app world, promising to help us organize our time better and maximize our output. It is now a $1 billion industry. We log, track, and upload tasks to these apps in order to maximize efficiency, yet evidence shows that productivity is in decline in most industrialized countries. It seems that the thing that promises to heal us from our overworking selves is the very thing that is contributing to our unhealth and burnout. We turn to these apps to be less stressed, to live easier lives, to not work long hours, to hopefully lessen our anxiety and depression and security and guilt. But it is not working. We live under the illusion that these apps and strategies will improve our lives and heal our problems. We talk about work-life balance, but we talk about it in individual terms and as such, Understand it to mean that it is up to me to manage the craziness of my own work life. But as an article I read this week points out, our quest for the elusive work-life balance is doomed if your workplace is not an environment where work-life balance is possible in the first place. See, the problem is not so much with us as it is with the unrealistic expectations of what we're asked to do on the work side of things. And so we continue to dread Mondays, hello Garfield, be overworked, burnt out, unmotivated, and discontent unless the systems change. The real remedy to our unhealth is not to have more or better apps for making life easier, but it is to reimagine and reframe our lives from the ground up. Now, this past month, Pastor Chris has expertly guided us through the necessity of healing for ourselves and our community. We've had a lot of questions about how to put this in practice. And while it's difficult to prescribe how-tos for everyone, we want to spend the next four weeks suggesting that Sabbath is a day for healing. That Sabbath is not only a primary way, but the primary way to remedy our unhealth. Because if you practice Sabbath the way it was designed, it will completely shift the other six days. So what better place and just start at the beginning. Genesis 2, verse 1 to 3 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the Sabbath day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from the work that he had done in creation. The first creation story in scripture is a poem that attempts to give meaning to God's creative acts and to describe the splendor of God speaking everything into existence. We've shared this in sermons and Sabbath school classes many times before, so I won't take much time on this, but it is important to remember that the first creation story in Genesis is shaped by what we call a chiastic structure. That is a literary structure that involves symmetrical patterns. So the seven days of creation in Genesis unfold in a carefully ordered design. Light is paralleled by lights in the sky. 
sky and seas is paralleled by birds for the air and fish for the sea, and dry land and plants are paralleled by animals and human beings. And then day seven stands apart as a day without parallel. In the very structure of this poem in Genesis chapter one and two, day seven is highlighted as unique. The structure of this narrative is shaped to point to Sabbath as the central idea of creation. It is not the creation of human beings that is the climax of creation. It is Sabbath that is the climax of creation. The entire purpose and goal for all of creation is Sabbath. Everything that follows in Scripture from Genesis 2 all the way through Revelation springs from the understanding that we were created for Sabbath. And so, if we are to reimagine and reframe the practicalities and pressures of our lives, we need to lean into practicing Sabbath as a goal for our lives, collectively and individually. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that He had done, and He rested on the Sabbath day from all the work that He had done. Again and again, through the first six days, God celebrates the beauty and the wholeness of the cosmos by calling creation good. Then, on the seventh day, God stops working and rests—a profound expression of confidence in the world that God has made. That God stops and rests on the seventh day is a declaration that the world is safely in God's hands. That the world will not disintegrate if we stop our efforts. The world relies on God's promises and not our efforts. The observance of Sabbath rest is a break with every effort to achieve, to secure for ourselves, and to make the world in, into our image according to our own purposes. God rests. God trusts His creation enough to declare it finished and to rest. And resting, God takes pleasure in what He has made. God has no regrets, no need to go on to create a still better world or a creature more wonderful than the human being. God rests, and the world goes on. And so, practicing Sabbath then is the announcement of trust. In this God, who is confident enough to rest, Sabbath is the goal. Sabbath is the purpose of creation, and the purpose of Sabbath is to experience rest in God's work, to be in relationship with God, each other, and the world. And this is a complete gift of God. There is nothing we can do to earn it. We simply accept it and rest. But there is a deeper significance in the Genesis narrative and its claim that the purpose of creation is Sabbath, and it's something we don't often talk about. Yet I believe it is the catalyst for reimagining and reframing the particulars and pressures of our lives. Sequence matters, so Pastor Chris said last week. She shared that if healing were linear, and it's not, but if healing were linear, sequence matters, and the healing sequence would flow like this: truth telling, apology, repair, do better. Sequence matters. Likewise, in our practicing Sabbath, sequence matters. Now, traditionally, we have occupied ourselves with the sequence of Sabbath in the Creation Week, primarily to prove that Sabbath is indeed the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday, not Sunday. Sequence matters. Saturday is the seventh day of the week. 
But in our preoccupation to prove ourselves right, we may have missed what makes us whole. Sequence matters, so we've said, and we've taken that literally by placing Sabbath at the end of the week. We come to Sabbath at the end of a week of work and school and assignments and homework and cooking and cleaning and appointments and yard work and chores and Zoom meetings and early mornings and late nights. And we come to the Sabbath at the end of the week exhausted. Thank God it's Sabbath, right? Have you ever said that? I have. But friends... If we come to the Sabbath and rest out of our exhaustion, then our rest is defined by our work. If we come to the Sabbath and rest out of exhaustion, then our rest is defined by our work and not a gift from God. Sequence matters. And in Genesis, uh, points to that too, but not in the way that we've usually thought about the sequence. We grew up singing, One, two, three, four, five, six for us. The seventh is for Jesus. Work, then rest, is built into the very fiber of our religious DNA. We look at the six days of creation story and think, that's six days of work before Sabbath. But sequence matters. What day of the week were humans created on? Humans were created on the sixth day. And how many days did they toil and work and labor before Sabbath? None. Their first full day in human history is what? The first full day in human history is Sabbath. Sequence matters. And in the creation week for God, Sabbath comes last. But for humanity, Sabbath comes first. And this should radically shift our perspective. As Rabbi Abraham Heschel says, to the biblical mind, the Sabbath as a day of rest, as a day abstaining from toil, is not for the purpose of recovering one's lost strength and becoming fit uh, for forthcoming labor. The Sabbath is a day for the sake of life. Human time begins with a day of rest and not a day of work. Human time begins with life unburdened by work. This is grace. But more so that human time begins with rest means Sabbath sets life's priorities for human beings. And better yet, Sabbath brings to view God's priorities. In the most basic terms, it is this. We rest, then we work. It is not we work, then we rest. We rest, then we work. Biblically speaking, our week does not start on the first day. It starts on the Sabbath day. Sabbath is not the end of the week for us. Sabbath is the beginning of our week, theologically speaking, and it should be practically too. In Genesis 2, when it says that God rested, the literal word in Hebrew is that God Sabbath. Most of our English translations say that God rested. Now, resting, to us at least, gives, 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 gives the idea of passivity, which, which really is anticlimactic in the context of the creation story. And also, uh, it is not a word that precisely captures the meaning of to Sabbath. 
A word that better fits the meaning uh, for us is desisted or ceased. And both these words have a richer connotation. We can imagine uh, a picture in our mind of a rival. To cease is kind of like an arrival of a ship gliding into the harbor after a long voyage. Or like a train coming to halt at the station after a long journey. The meaning of ceasing is better understood by keeping in mind what went before. God creates the world in six days. And when God had finished what he had made on the seventh day, God ceased. God is not exhausted and needs a break. Ceasing here in Genesis has the sense of completion, of fulfillment, even movement and purpose. Resting, the way we thought about it as respite and recovery, it does have its place, but only in the context of ceasing, which has a much deeper meaning. The difference between resting and ceasing is something that I can illustrate by a gardening project and my current situation. How I came about this is that Leilani and I have been working on a garden project for a while now. Food, not lawns. We started preparing our front yard last year, and in November, we moved the first load of compost and mulch onto our front lawn. It took longer than I imagined. Uh, moving that much compost and mulch is no joke. After that, I had some lower back pain, and it was bad enough. I had to take a break from exercising, but I didn't think too much of it, and uh, after about two weeks, it was gone. Then at the start of February, we got a second truckload of mulch and we were eager to just get the job done. We had hoped to be finished with it already, but the project clearly was taking more time than we'd imagined. And with work and family schedule, it seemed like there, there were never going to be uh, an end to this pile. So one afternoon, Leilani and I, uh, I decided to come home while Leilani was working on the lawn and just try and knock it out in a two-hour gap that I had. Now, those who know me well and work with me closely know uh, that I like to work hard and fast and just get things done. It is Steve, our director of finance, who affectionately refers to me as the bull in a china shop. So I forged ahead with 110% output. That's, that's what I did with that pile of mulch. I shoveled wheelbarrow after wheelbarrow, going in at it at 110%, not thinking about my body. I did that for about two hours of hard labor, and then I went back to the office for work. And, and then a day later, it hit me. I struggled to sleep. I struggled to get up from a seated position. My back was stiff. The muscles in the entire left side of my body ached and pained. It was terrible. And it forced me to rest my body. No exercising in the mornings, just Motrin, stretching, and rest. It's been about four weeks now, and it's getting a little bit better, but I clearly injured myself much worse than I thought. Resting. Resting my body is something I was forced into because I pushed myself. I worked hard to get things done, but mainly because I did not prioritize this project in my schedule. I came to resting out of exhaustion, out of rush, out of literal pain. I was playing this work-life balancing game uh, and there was always something seemingly more important or urgent to do. And resting now is helping me recover and it is needed. 
But if I don't make foundational changes in my life, I'll be forced into this resting uh, and recovery time every time I don't prioritize my life. And also, mindless scrolling through social media, watching Netflix and YouTube or surfing the internet, this is not true rest. Crashing out of exhaustion on a Sabbath afternoon, this is not true rest. What we call rest is a temporary solution. Getting sick the first week of vacation is not sustainable. Productivity apps to help ease our lives is not the answer and also not the problem. The problem is that we need a mind shift. We need a paradigm shift. We need a different way of living. In order to make foundational changes, what I really needed to do with my garden project is to cease. I needed to cease placing value in the many things that I kept myself busy with. And really, what I call work-life balance is actually just a substitute to having a sense of fulfillment and contentment. Ceasing is patterning our lives around what gives life, what is vital, what is valuable, what is consequential. The only way to stop unhealthy uh, patterns of hurt is to cease to address the structural things in our lives that keep us from living in freedom and joy. Sabbath ceasing will reimagine and reframe how we prioritize our lives and what's most important. Growing our own food in our garden is something I truly value, but clearly I have not ceased to stop unhealthy patterns in my life and change it. For healing to take place, we need to rest. But to come out of an unhealthy cycle of exhaustion, rest, exhaustion, rest, exhaustion, rest, overwork, collapse. To come out of this cycle, we need to Sabbath. Sabbath sequence matters. Sabbath does not come at the end of an exhausted week. Sabbath comes at the beginning of a week full of possibilities. We rest then we work. We live not from the first day to the Sabbath, seventh. We live not from Sunday to Sabbath or from Monday to Sabbath. We don't live for the weekends. We live from Sabbath to Sabbath. The biblical Sabbath is not so much about recovering as it is about discovering. Discovering life unbound by the particulars and pressures of everyday life. As Abraham Heschel says, Sabbath is eternity in time. On Sabbath, we discover God's eternity, God's kingdom, and we shape our present by that. The Sabbath has a radical claim on our lives. It is about being in relationship with God and each other and the world. And it, this plays out in the Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament in profound ways. The Sabbath is about justice and worship, economic reform and healing, equity, peacemaking, and so much more. It is by precisely this that we need to reimagine and reframe our lives. Out of that we live Sabbath to Sabbath. Because the exhausted self can rarely be the generous, useful, or hopeful self. We Sabbath. Sabbath is preventative healing medicine. Kate Bear is a poet and author of What Kind of a Woman? She's a brilliant writer. 
Like any person, and specifically women in the public eye, she gets a, a number of messages from people who are eager to help her see the errors of her way or to help her with their products. She has a series on Instagram account where she takes screenshots of these messages that are sent to her and she reimagines and reframes it by deleting words and sentences from the message. I'm going to read you one of the messages. In this message, the, the sender says the following. Hi Kate, I hope this finds you well. I was hoping to chat with you today about product T a new detox cleanse that will literally change your life. As a wife and mother, I uh, know it can be difficult uh, at times for self-care with all the house cleaning and diaper changing, but look no further. This product not only helps you lose weight, but helps you work towards a healthier lifestyle. Shed that baby weight or COVID-15 in less than four weeks by naturally detoxing our body with this intentional and lucrative blend uh, or your money back. It's never been easier to take control and finally shed that mummy pouch. I just know that you're going to love it. What a message. Detox, self-care, house cleaning, diaper changing, losing weight, healthier lifestyle, taking control. So many things to do. Work on yourself, work on your house, work on your family. Work. This is what the world prioritizes. Work and then rest. What God prioritizes is rest, ceasing. Rest, then work. What God desires is Sabbath thing, living that grows out of rest. And so here's what Kate Bear reframed and reimagined. Here's how she Sabbathed this message to her. I hope this finds you leaning towards a life intent on love. Amen.